welcome back to the Women's Football Podcast. I'm Shona David and welcome back. It's great to have you back once again this week as we take a look at the women's game and all the action all the way from the Champions League to the National League. Coming up this week, we'll take a look back at all the Champions League action. Good lad as Hayley keeps Man United unbeaten start going at Reading. Drama late on as Weir downs Arsenal. Spurs at the double as Villa are sent packing. Lots of the championship as Durham are sent to Coventry and produce the comeback of the season, but it's Leicester who still lead the way at the moment. Plus a look at some of the first round ties in this season's FA Cup. And we talk about Jen Beattie's emotional announcement. Well, joining me this week to look back at the action, we have former FA and Aston Villa media officer, Emily Lyons. Emily, good to have you back. Thank you for having me, Sean Ed. And we also have freelance journalist Hannah Mendelssohn. Hi, Hannah. Great to have you with us. Hi, great to be here. And also joining us for the second time, it's Ailsa Cohen. Hi, Ailsa. Great to have you back. Hi, thank you for having me back. And finally, our special guest this week, she's the chair founder of the Man United Women's Barmy Army and part of the Barmy Army podcast, which can be found on YouTube. It's Nutty Natty is her YouTube channel's name, but... Natalie, it's great to have you with us this week. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. That's all right. Well, guys, we've got a lot to get through um, this weekend. So we'll kick off with the Champions League. In midweek, it was the first leg of the last 32 Champions League ties. It was a good week, um, I have to say, for the English sides. Both Manchester City and Chelsea were away and both claimed victories. Manchester City had come from behind in Gothenburg. The Swedish side went ahead in the second minute through Vilda Borisa, but goals from Georgia Stanway and Sam Lewis, 40 minutes from time, uh, secured the victory for them. Emily, I'll, I'll come to you first. You know, Man City, they got knocked out in the last 16 last season. Do you think they'll put their eggs in one basket and try and go for the European trophy this season? Um, I think that's that's a really interesting question. I think it's certainly something that I know we've discussed before on this podcast around their league form, obviously not quite as consistent as it has been traditionally, a little bit um, off the pace for the early part of the season. So you would think, although I'm sure they would never admit it publicly, that it they would have an eye on that because, as you say, it's it's a huge prize. I think you're seeing Leon this season, a few mixed results, I know that they just got past Juventus in the week as well. So I think that it probably is more open than ever this year. And it would make sense for them to, to try and to try and win that because, you know, it is a huge prize. Um, it will be a huge, huge statement. And they've certainly started well and, and are hopefully able to do that. And I guess this is why, you know, Man City, they recruited the likes of Rose Lavelle and Sam Mewis, you know, for these key moments, especially in the European games where, you know, the the standard is so high. Yeah, and it's really paying off, you know, Mewis scored for them in the match. Rose Lavelle has had a bit less impact on the pitch, but I think you can you can see um, what they're trying to do and, and it seems to be working so far in the Champions League and they seem to be kind of like finding their groove a bit more in the WSL as well. So it was definitely, it's looking like some clever recruitment mm-hmm. on their part. Uh, Chelsea then they had a fantastic 5-0 win in Benfica two goals from Fran Kirby who moved on to 69 goals 
for the Blues and in the process passed any Aluko as the club's record goalscorer. So congratulations, Fran. Uh, further goals from Millie Bright, Beth England and Peniel Harder uh, have seen Chelsea put, um, yeah, they've made some good um, good progress in the Champions League. I say Fran Kirby, what a player. And, you know, she's now in the record books. Who knows how many more records, you know, that girl will break because she's just one of the best, isn't she? She certainly is. I've spoken to her on a couple of occasions and you can tell she's just got an undeniable hunger to score as many goals as she can. And she's had quite a few obstacles to overcome in her own personal life when she grew up and her mum passed away when she was quite a young age. So I think she's always definitely had that fire inside of her to score as many goals as she can. And she's just put a right stamp on Chelsea and she's just done such a fantastic job since she's been there. And I think she's certainly going to be one of them players that they'll always remember even when if she moves on to somewhere else or even if she plays there until her boots are falling apart we don't know but she's definitely got a massive part to play in their Champions League competition or the Champions League run that they got going on at the moment definitely. Mm. And Natalie I guess Chelsea like Man City you know will feel they have a real chance um, at glory in the Champions League this season won't they? Um, How do you see both teams going? Yeah, I think uh, Chelsea definitely will be in with a shout. I know that's obviously why the reason why she brought in Harder and Kerr and players like that. And obviously they've got England, kept England. Kirby's doing really well. So they'll definitely be looking to, to rival Lee on this, um, this campaign. City, uh, I think, Mewis, I think you've touched on her. She is different class. She's going to be the difference for them. So... You know, it's going to be an exciting campaign for for both English teams this season. Yeah, I'll definitely be excited to see how they do. We'll obviously be keeping an eye as the season goes on here on the podcast. Um, and guys, last week we spoke to Glasgow City goalkeeper Erin Clackers um, ahead of their tie in the Czech Republic against Sparta Prague. They unfortunately uh, lost 2-1, but Sharon uh, Wojcik scored a vital away goal to give them um, hope of turning the tie around. Emily, Glasgow... They went far last year in the competition. That is a vital away goal for them, isn't it? Oh, it it certainly is, Sean Ed. And I think, as you say, in the Champions League, those away goals, those extra, I guess, in other sports, you might have a sort of losing bonus point type, type scenario. And that's very, very similar in the Champions League. And, you just hope that for that from a Glasgow perspective that it that it will be enough for them and it will give them that springboard. But yeah, that tie is certainly well poised, which which will be great. And you no know, fingers crossed that they can do it. And just a reminder that you can actually watch the return leg of that game on BBC Albert this coming Wednesday evening if you're around. Um, guys, in other games, last year's winners, Leon won a hard-fought game in Italy against Juventus. They won by three goals to two with Saki Kumagai scoring a vital late winner. PSG, they also had a good away win in Poland against Gornik Lesnar. And last year's beaten finalists, Wolfsburg, they also won 5-0 away against Spartak Sabotica. Um, Hannah, Leon, they are just up there every single year um, in the Champions League. You know, they're always a joy to watch. They are the kind of the Rolls Royce, if you like, um, of the Champions League in terms of the women's game. Um, do you see anyone else challenging Leon for the Champions League this season? Or who do you see um, will be the biggest challenge for them that will kind of come chasing after them? I mean, I certainly wouldn't bet against Chelsea 
they've done everything to set themselves up as a team to take on Leon. But and Leon aren't looking as I mean they are they're they still won their tie, so to say they're not looking as strong is maybe not accurate, but they it it was harder for them to win against Juventus, which I think is promising for other teams who are kind of chasing at their heels. And hopefully we'll see a different uh, champion of Europe this time. Be great if it was an English side, but I think it would be really good for the league if anyone else wins. That's a really good point, actually. Natalie, I'll I'll come to you to this one. Just how massive would it be, you know, to to see an English side lift that trophy? And are we sort of... It feels like a lot of the English sides are taking a step in the right direction. They've really strengthened recently, haven't they? Um, Yeah, I think, you know, it'd be great for the Champions League to see a new winner. But yeah, an English side, it just it really cement like this league is like one of the best for me. Um, I think it's more likely to be Chelsea if it's going to be one of the two. But, you know, anyone winning it other than Leon just shows that they are beatable. They're a great side, but it's competition is what we need. Um, and I think that hopefully someone else might win it. But I still do really rate Leon. They are an amazing side. Definitely. Well, it's early days, but I'm really excited to see how this Champions League campaign unfolds. Um, well, that was our whistle-stop tour of the Champions League. We'll move on to the action in the WSL now. Um, and in the Women's Super League, Manchester United kept up their relentless pace at the top of the table. Natalie, I can see you smiling there. Thanks to a 2-1 win at Reading, Leah Galton and Hayley Ladd with the goals. Hannah, you were there today. Were you impressed by what you saw from United? at the game I I mean United are such a good good side at the moment and they're um but I think that Reading did put up a really good fight uh, I spoke to Casey Stoney at the end and I don't think she was like super happy with the team's performance not that I'm not sure how often she ever is but um it Reading put up a really good fight it was quite uh end-to-end there were opportunities for both sides so I think it will be And it did look like it was going to be a draw. Um, The final goal was quite last minute. So I think that it was a good win for Manchester United. I mean, they're still unbeaten. And at this point, you know, it's really important that they keep that up to stay top of the table. But it was a, a really fun match to watch, I thought. Both teams put up a great fight. Yeah, they've definitely had a fantastic start to this season. It's been great watching them. Natalie, it's your second season as a club. Could you have imagined the progress that you've made in such a small space of time? Um, not at all. Uh, for me, I just it's amazing what Casey's doing with this group, um, adding players year on year, quality players, the players keep improving. But even the players that were there at the start, even though Lad wasn't there from the start, but, you know, Leah Galton, I think she's an amazing player, an amazing talent. And, you know, she's she's really pulled it out of the bag for us. We've asked her to play loads of different positions and, you know, she's doing so well. And it's so good to see, you know, Man United top of the league. Is there, you know, genuine excitement? Are you sort of whispering the words, you know, do, do you think you can you can win the league? <sighs> Yeah, you don't want to say it because you don't want to jinx yourself, but everyone's excited. I think definitely we can make top three. I think for me, it's sort of confirmed, you know, going into Christmas, hopefully win the next game. But I think third is is realistic, is I think it's going to happen. But I mean, it would be a dream come true if we won the league and something that not anyone expected at start. And if we go on and do it, it would just be amazing. 
And in terms of Casey Stoney herself, then I think I personally think she's fab. I love watching her interviews. She's spoken a lot about her five-year plan for United to really compete not only in England but in Europe. And it's almost looking way ahead of schedule already, isn't it? Yeah, she did say that at the start. You know, when we when we first went top, you know, she's probably not where we expected to be. Um, she's downplaying it a lot. Um, being top you know we're just here to to get third and then grow and grow every year but she's an amazing manager I think she's for me she's one of the best in the WSL and it's just amazing to see what she's done from the start from you know not having a team to sit in top of the WSL and you know five-year plan why not you know for keep investing keep growing players young players keep developing I don't see why we can't be up there you know winning the league and competing at the top of the Champions League, it's it's going to be amazing five years. I hope it's longer because, you know, we want to keep winning and winning. That's the Man United way, so I'm excited. No, oh, amazing. And Natalie, best of luck as well for the rest of the season. And that brings us on nicely to our first interview because our very own lovely Hannah, she caught up with Casey Stoney after the game today. So obviously, like, possession was quite equal. What do you think about the kind of how... Scrappy it was at times. Always scrappy when we play Reddit. Um, you know they they press us. They get around the ball. We play easy pressure rather than playing out of it rather than managing it. Um, it wasn't great. You know it wasn't at our standards. We know that. Um, but but we won. And now we have to start thinking about when teams do come and high press and they get around us, how we use the ball better. And you've got, like, it's quite a busy week for you, looking ahead to your next matches, kind of like, how are you feeling about uh, Everton and then Bristol City? Both games we want to win. Uh, we obviously know we're out of the cup, but that still doesn't mean that we don't want to win. You know, we go into every game wanting to win. Uh, it is a big, busy week in fixtures. You know, we've had a couple of knocks this week, but hopefully by Everton we'll have a couple of players back. Um, and we can rotate our squad a little bit um, and make sure that we've got freshness to go on the game. The big game of the day was at Manchester City Academy Stadium, where unsurprisingly it was Manchester City as the hosts, and they welcomed Arsenal, who they had beaten earlier in the season in the delayed semi-final of last season's FA Cup. Uh, we mentioned it on here about Viv- Vivian Miedema needing to score against the bigger teams. Karen Carney mentioned the same thing in her pre-match chat on BT Sports. And she must have maybe been listening in to what we were saying as it took her just two minutes to capitalise on a loose pass to score the opener. We mentioned guys Sam Mewis and her goals and it was her who popped up again, beating Lydia Williams to the punch from a corner to level things. There was a couple of goal mouth scrambles towards the end as Arsenal looked like holding on and it didn't look like it was going to be City's day. But with virtually the last kick of the game, Caroline Weir killed home a beauty for her first league goal of the season. I say it was a massive win for Man City, wasn't it? Especially if if they have those title aspirations, which I'm assuming they do, every every club does, but just how vital was today's win? It certainly was a vital win for them and it was a very big game. Not, you know, all eyes were on it. The two massive players in the women's league, the, the, the teams that everyone sort of knows about, they've been there for such a long time and for City to win today, it does definitely, definitely means a lot, especially for the likes of Steph Horton and especially for... Um, also going to highlight as well, Well, whilst the teams were warming up, um, following Jennifer Beattie's announcement in, over the past couple of days, they all had shirts on with the number five on in support of her. Um, I'm sure we'll touch on it 
um, a little bit further on in the podcast, but I thought that was really nice to see as well. Um, but in relation to the game as well, City just completely dominated, which I was quite surprised to see because Arsenal, in my mind, and probably in quite a lot of other people's minds, have always been such a massive team. City had 18 shots and Arsenal only had two, which is quite surprising. Um, even though um, I was watching it and I saw the highlights as well, um, I was just quite surprised at how heavily City dominated the game. And there, were, there was quite a few bookings as well. It was quite like a sort of, not heated, but you know, you could tell both teams were very hungry for it and they were there for the win. But for City to snatch it in the final minutes, it's just the dramatic sort of football that you're after and what you want to see on a Sunday afternoon, really. Yeah, definitely. I think it's what we all like to see. And Carolyn Weave, you know, she said that she feels that um, the team and Gareth Taylor, they're now on the same page now and they're really starting to click into gear, aren't they, Asa? Because I think it's fair to say they had all these big players, these big personalities who individually were fantastic, but they weren't quite clicking as a team, weren't they? But that seems to finally be falling into place. Yeah, you can have all the amazing top players you want, but if they can't all form and gel together, then you're not going to get the results that you need to achieve the greatness that City are always after. But essentially, they have gelled really well over the past few games and over the past few months essentially as well and even with the likes of coronavirus coming in and probably fluffing all the ideas of team bonding and stuff like that it's, it's hard to get people on in one place at the moment but genuinely they have gelled really well and um, going to certainly have to agree with that and but it also makes me excited to think you know they're finally coming into one how are they then going to perform in the Champions League it's only it can only get better one hopes anyway. <laughs> and Emily, for Arsenal again against, you know, a top team away from home that they haven't delivered, they seem to be on the back foot for most of the game, didn't they? Only one shot on target, like Ais has mentioned, you know, they really attacking wise weren't on form at all today. Um one shot on target, which was the goal. That's disappointing, isn't it? Especially as Ais has mentioned, you know, with the talent that they've got going forward and as well what you expect from Arsenal as a whole. Exactly, yeah. And obviously they started off extremely strongly, didn't they, the season? So yeah, it is It is quite surprising. And I think probably when you look at the table as it stands now, it was probably one of those must-not-lose games for Arsenal rather than needing to win. But I think the fact they did lose and the fact City have closed that gap, that that's probably what's more detrimental to them potentially than just the defeat because it is closing up a little bit now. OK, I understand you've got sort of three quality teams ahead of City still, Everton not too far behind and with a game in hand. But actually, that win for City probably, you know, has sort of reignited their own title hopes, really, in some respects. So, yeah, I think they will be disappointed. It will be interesting again to see how they respond, because normally with Arsenal, they're very, very good at responding to poor results, albeit they don't have many of those. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure they'll, they'll be going home very, very frustrated. And looking at Arsenal and their situation at the moment Emily do you think they've got enough in their locker to win the title do you know what probably before today I would have said yes but I think you look at and I'm sure we'll get onto Chelsea's result shortly but you look at the way that they can go away secure a hard-fought win United have done the same today it would probably be unfair to say we're not seeing that with Arsenal but I think today losing in the last minute a few other results that they've had probably suggests not but then you look at the quality they've got all it needs is one of the two above them to to drop a point here and there and then it's all back on isn't it that's the beauty but no I don't think it's time 
time to panic just yet. Nobody panic, according to Emily. <laughs> uh, but that moves us on nicely to Chelsea. They beat Brighton by a goal to nail. Chelsea are three points behind Man United and they have a game in hand. Sam Kerr is on a hot streak at the minute. She scored once again She scored once again in what proved to be the only goal of the game down at Brighton. She did have a couple of chances to make the afternoon more comfortable and it could have been costly as Inessa Kagman hit the bar for Brighton in the second half. So perhaps a stroke of luck there for Chelsea. Natalie, you know, last season's champions, an important victory for them, especially um, as they grounded out away from home once again. Yeah, um, obviously I was a bit, um, not upset, but if Kagman had hit that in, that would have been fantastic for my team. But, you know, I think that's what it's going to go down to. I think it's going to be United and uh, Chelsea, potentially. I'm not saying that, you know, City coming back, that was a good three points for them. But I think King's Meadow game, you know, in January, I think that's going to be the big one. That's going to be the potential title decider. Obviously, you know, we'll go level on points if they win their game in hand. Uh, better goal difference, but I do definitely see you know that game at Kings Meadow being the one to decide it all potentially. Do you think from a Man United point of view that Chelsea are your biggest threat this season? 100% I think we've beaten Arsenal we've come back against City uh, they're sort of out of form City on and off and I think you know Chelsea are the ones who are consistently winning games even when they're playing badly like ourselves a bit Um and, you know, obviously they're current champions. They've got loads of world-class players. So I think we can, it's going to be tough for us against them, potentially. And in terms of, Hannah, I'll come to you for this one. The biggest problem, perhaps, for Chelsea will be, you know, juggling all the fixtures, playing in the Champions League and the WSL. That could potentially take its toll. Yeah, it definitely could. But I think that Chelsea have really good squad depth as well. Um, they've got a lot of talent on their books now um so I think that you know and they've shown even this week you know they had the Champions League and they still managed to win again today and kind of like grind it out and get get the win so I definitely think that they'll be kind of fighting for it but who knows as the season progresses and Emily in terms of Brighton eight points from nine games but I don't think they have anything to worry about really do you think so no, I don't at all. And I think it, we've spoken about this time and time again before, but they always seem to put in a decent showing, don't they, against those top teams. And again, not too far off taking a point today. Um, and it's really strange, actually, because having watched them last week at Tottenham, um, it sounds like this was a completely opposite, different chalk and cheese type of display where they sort of struggled in possession last week and were comprehensively beaten by Tottenham. And then this week of have performed well again. I appreciate it's another defeat. But no, I think overall, when you've got someone like Hope Powell at the helm and the players that they've got, that they will be absolutely fine. And guys, moving on in North London, it was two wins out of two for Rianne Skinner as her Spurs side beat Aston Villa by three goals to one in an action-packed game. Villa were looking to build on a 4-0 win at Bristol City in midweek, but were left but were behind after a dozen minutes when Alex Morgan scored once again from the penalty spot. Two goals in two games for her. Morgan was also involved when her cross was turned into her own net by Caroline Seams. And Roselle Ayan scored her first WSL goal for the club as her deflected shot wrapped up the win for Spurs. Villa scored the goal of the game through Nadine Hansen as she chipped Becky Spencer from 
just inside the Spurs half to initially equalise. Emily, you saw firsthand what an impact Skinner is having at Spurs and it was important that they backed up that victory from last week, wasn't it? Just to prove it wasn't just, you know, a one-off, that sort of uh, new manager banks, if you like. Yeah, 100%. I think this was a really, really big game for Tottenham and for Rianne in particular for the reasons that you cited there. But they've come through it with absolute flying colours, especially against a Villa side who will have had will have taken a big amount of confidence from that victory against Bristol in midweek. But yeah, I mean, look, Alex Morgan firing home again, another home win. It's it's all going well for Rianne. And I have to say, having seen her firsthand working with England's youth teams and then, of course, as assistant to Phil Neville, I'm not surprised because I think she's a very, very good coach who will do well. And clearly the start couldn't have gone much better. And I also, Alex Morgan, she's really starting, you know, to show her form now as well. You know, she's really starting to shine for Spurs. How vital is it that they try and extend her deal through until May, do you think? I think it would be a massive shame um, if her if she wasn't there any longer than what she already has been. I think um, there's quite a lot of, when she first joined, a lot of speculation around how she'll fit into the British game and how different will it be, will she struggle and... I think to start off with, it was maybe a little bit of a shaky start for her, but I can imagine it's such a different world to jump into. It's the same game, but it's completely different to the American game as well, even just little things like probably like the pace and things like that. But I just think she's such a massive name to have in the British game as well. It'd also be a shame for the growth of the game if she was to you know, go go back to go back to America, jump on a plane and go home. But um I definitely think she's she's definitely worth keeping and she's definitely showing her worth as time goes on. Like the penalty she scored today, she's gelling well into the team and she's gonna be probably one of the stars of the future in the British game as well. I watched a good um, interview with her and she said, yeah, there's definitely a lot more fouling here in, in England <laughs> compared to back in America. I was like, yeah. Hannah then for Aston Villa frustrating one for them as they really could do with a nice little run of games now couldn't they in terms of you know they need to start racking up some wins don't they as you know they seem to pick up points here and there but they're just lacking consistency when it comes to results yeah I think so and Bristol City which I'm sure we'll discuss are kind of like are still like four points behind them but that's not you know one game two games um, and their fortunes could change. So I think that they'll definitely be frustrated um, not to have capitalised on their recent win because they do need more points. Um, Birmingham City's game at home to Everton got cancelled due to the weather. We're currently unsure of when that game is due to be rescheduled for, but we will let you know once we find anything out about that. So Bristol City having lost by four goals to nil at home to Birmingham and Villa already this season, had that scoreline repeated this weekend once again as West Ham came to town and took a comfortable victory over the Robins. The two sides had mustered just six points and one win between them for their first eight WSL matches. Yana Daniels' clearance rebounded into the net off Gemma Perfield's back for an early own goal. Emily Van Eggman volleyed in Rachel Daly's dangerous cross and then crossed for Daly to power in ahead to make it 3-0 before Martha Thomas then rounded off the scoring by firing into the bottom corner. Hannah, that's 4-0 defeats at home for Bristol City to, you know, teams that are 
in and around them in the table, which it's just really not good enough, is it, unfortunately? It's not. And I think it would be so disappointing for the team because they had kind of mustered a couple of draws before these two uh, 4-0 defeats. So you'd have thought that morale would be kind of like improving. And then it's just really, um, I think, disappointing for the, the side. And they're going to have to find some answers pretty quickly because we're ha- almost halfway through now. Yeah, you do get the sense that time is sort of running out for Bristol City. Emily, West Ham and Villa, they haven't been um, great. So for them, you know, to get comfortable victories like that must set alarm bells ringing really for Bristol. Yeah, 100%. It is, it's very, very concerning, isn't it? Especially the fact that Bristol haven't got anything out of those particular games, I think. And I think that you look at the table and if Bristol can't get a result, well, a win really soon, then... It could effectively be be settled, I think, quite soon, um, which is not what you want to see in any division at all. And yeah, I, I know we spoke about this last week, but you just worry about confidence of players. Sophie Bagley, we talked about at length as the goalkeeper. Again, clearly not just her fault, clearly a wider team issue and a wider confidence issue. But you hope you know the likes of her aren't affected too long term because it's it's horrible for them. Mm. They are rooted at the bottom, four points adrift um, with an away trip to Manchester United next. Natalie, surely United, they might be licking their lips really because Bristol just looks so vulnerable at the moment. Yeah, I hope so. I hope we can um, bag some goals. Obviously, we've got ex-players there, Ebony Salmon, and she came back um, early in the year last season and scored against us. So I'm hoping, you know, we've got that covered and we don't concede any, but... You know, Bristol are a good side. They've got good young English players, so it will be a shame if they do go down. And you hope, like some of those young players, can get. So you never like to see people leave, but you know, can remain in the Super League because you know it'll be good for England. Some of them players coming through. Yeah, definitely. Some good news for Bristol, though. Their manager, Tanya Oxby, announced that she is expecting that she's pregnant. So big congratulations to her and her partner. So some some good news for Bristol City, at least. So massive congratulations to Tanya. Uh, Well, guys, we'll move on to the championship next. Over five million homes are at risk of flooding, yet many people don't realise they're in danger. Even if you've never been flooded before, it can happen to you. Protect your family and home. Prepare, act, survive. Prepare a bag including medicines and insurance documents. Act by moving important items upstairs or as high as possible. Survive by listening to emergency services. Search what to do in a flood and sign up to flood warnings on gov.uk. In the championship comeback of the day and possibly the season, uh, that goes to Durham. They trailed 3-1 at half time, thanks to a hat-trick from Coventry United's Beth Merrick, uh, which cancelled out a Beth Heppel strike. But Emily Roberts and Emily Roberts Brace and Sarah Robson's efforts saw the Wildcats complete an unlikely turnaround. Um, Emily Durham remain unbeaten and results like this and the way it was done makes you think that they could go all the way. Yeah, it certainly does, doesn't it? I mean, 
Coventry must have thought that they got that one, they got it in the bag. And you have to feel for them a little bit, really, because they've had a number of results this season where they've just been on the wrong end. So they've performed well, they've gone ahead or they've come back, but it's been a little bit too little too late. But, you know, all credit to Durham. Um, we've spoken about their challenges in terms of the travel, what they have to do compared to a lot of other teams. But they're performing really well. They're consistent. Um, and and yeah, I mean, it does make you think that it, it has to be their year. And I think the fact that Leicester, of course, won today makes that result even more important and even more impressive. Oh, definitely an impressive 4-3 victory for Durham. There's a bit of a gap at the top now with Leicester. Three points clear of Durham and four points clear of Liverpool. For the first time this season, Natalie Leicester, you know, they're seeing a bit of daylight, aren't they? Because there's been a lot of chopping and changing in the championship, but they seem to, um, yeah, really be setting the pace in the league right now. Yeah, there's a lot of um, players dropped down from Reading and, um, you know, there's a lot of full-time good young up-and-coming players. I really like Paige Bailey-Gale. I think she's a quality player. But, you know, it's good. Natasha Flynn was at Blackburn last year, scored a lot of goals, so now she's scoring it for Leicester full-time team so championship's hard I think you know Leicester are doing it right by going full-time but who knows where where we're going to go next with this league it's one of the craziest ones around. They won 1-0 at London City Lionesses thanks to a goal from the Australian Michaela Moore. Um, Natalie again you know could too many draws for Liverpool, do you think, cost them this season? Because there was quite there were there was high expectations, wasn't there? A lot of we spoke right very early on in the part that we thought, you know, that they could just be the team that comes down but then goes straight back up. Yeah, I think um, they had a lot of draws at the start. I know they drew drew to Lewis. So I think that could be costly. I think you've got to just keep winning. You know, Durham's pulled it out of the bag today. Um when you're in a drawing position, I think in the championship, you've got to get the points because it's so tight at the top. Hannah, just to touch again on, on Liverpool, with the squad that they have, that they've got, you know, some really, some a lot of strength in their squad. Do you think they should be doing better than they are, perhaps? Not that they're not doing well, but, you know, would you expect them to be way ahead of the others, perhaps? Um, I think with Liverpool, it's an interesting question about the kind of support that they get from the club. Um, and perhaps if they had a bit more support from the club as a whole, they would be doing uh, even better. And I think, you know, it does chop and change a lot. And Leicester have shown that they're kind of putting all their weight behind the team this season. And I think that there are still question marks about Liverpool's kind of commitment to their women's side, which is maybe one of the things that's holding them back from kind of doing as well as they should do now that's a really interesting point actually Emily maybe you can add to it you know it's are we sort of reaching a point now in the women's game where the amount of investment coming from the men's team can really have an effect on the success that the women's team does you know we've seen firsthand with Leicester they were very open and vocal about right we're fully investing into our women's team and it's paying off for Leicester do you think that's the pattern we could see in the women's game going forward over the next few years? Yes, I do. And I think, as you said there, there's there's lots of examples of where it's been done very, very well. And I think it's also important to remember, as well as in terms of monetary resource, I think actually it's a proper dedication to the cause as well. So, OK, you can put money into it, which is arguably the most important asset of that 
but actually you want a club that's fully committed in terms of training facilities, access to the stadium where possible, where the men's and the women's teams are integrated, they're in frequent content on a regular basis, um, the marketing's aligned, that, that type of thing. So I think, yes, the investment is important, but the wider resource across the club is just as integral, really, in terms of that overall growth. Another dramatic comeback was by Sheffield United, who also came from 3-1 down at home to Blackburn today to draw three all two penalties from Katie Wilkinson and Courtney Sweetman Kirk twice dragged the blades back into it Blackburn had been 2-0 up after just seven minutes through Maria Edwards first goal for Blackburn and Saffron Jordan and Jade Richards made it 3-1 before that dramatic comeback we also wish Eddie Wilson well who went off with a serious looking injury but thankfully Sheffield United tweeted that Ellie is on crutches but is sat up and in good spirits so we wish her a speedy recovery and then the final game saw Crystal Palace win away at Lewis thanks to two goals from Bianca Baptiste I see you know does it show looking at the results from the championship does it show the strength and unpredictability of the league that you know there were no home wins today um, or do you think is it quite predictable looking at that results because we've spoken a lot about the championship and how entertaining it is because there's a lot of chopping and changing there's a lot of you know people can pick points off each other it definitely is chopping and changing quite a lot I think that's just with such a wide variety of teams that have all come from sort of different journeys into the championship and um, if you if you look at Blackburn when when I was at, when I was at university I did quite cover quite a lot of their their games and stuff when they were in uh, the Women's North League um, before they moved up. And they had such a, like, a turbulent journey to try and get into the championship. They tried and tried and tried for years. And then there's other teams like uh, Liverpool who've been in the top flight and now they've, they've gone down into the championship. So they're all such very different teams, which makes it so... So, that creates such a variety of results every week I think and there's such a different hunger from different games as well and like um, Emily touched on there's such a different variety of funding as well which can make it a little bit harder for some teams to make as big of impact as what they'd like but um, it definitely is a very entertaining league to have your eye on I completely agree with that you don't you think you know who's going to win and then like there's just a massive comeback in the final minutes and but yeah definitely is one league that's possibly sometimes more entertaining than the top league the WSL because most of the time being a women's city fan you you'd kind of know who's going to win the game but really if you're a football fan you just want an entertaining entertaining 90 minutes really my next question was going to be does anyone want to predict who will get that one promotion place who do we? I think Leicester will win it. I just think they've had a big investment this year. But I totally agree with what Ailsa is saying. I think for me, it's the most exciting league, the championship, because the bottom can beat the top, and the top could uh, beat the bottom by ma- massive score lines. Whereas I think in the WSL, you sort of know the top three or four are always going to win. Um, but when you get like team, uh, teams like Blackburn pushing up the table, I think you know they're unbeaten in six or something like that now so I think it's really good for the league that a team like Blackburn can move up the championship and it doesn't matter how much funding they have they might have as much as Liverpool but they're 
really pushing up there and it's good to see for the women's football definitely and it's a healthy sign isn't it of the sort of the whole ecosystem if you like to have um a lot of competition um up and down the pyramid um well guys still lots to talk about um so let's move on and have a quick look at the national league which returns after a month off due to um different uh, coronavirus restrictions and government advice. Um, well, the big winners this weekend were the top two in the Northern Premier Division, Huddersfield Town and Fylde, who both enjoyed 8-1 victories. Laura Elford got a hat-trick in Huddersfield's demolition of Stoke, with Faye McCoy got four for Fylde in their win over struggling Sheffield. Uh, there were also nine goals in Sunderland's game with Derby, but this time shared a bit more equally. The Black Cats ran out winners in a 5-4 win, taking advantage of postponements elsewhere to move fourth in the league. Three matches were called off, Burnley against Nottingham Forest, Hull against Loughborough and Middlesbrough's game with West Brom. They were all called off this weekend. In the Southern Premier Division, Watford remained top after beating Chichester and Selzy for nil, with friend of the podcast Helen Ward scoring twice. So great game for Helen. Great to see her back playing after some time off due to obviously the restrictions and everything. Oxford United beat Canesham 3-1 to move into second, while Portsmouth have leapfrogged MK Dons into third after beating them 4-1. Crawley Wasps eased past Plymouth 4-0. The Pilgrims have now lost all seven games this season. Hounslow are still without even a goal in eight games. They were beaten 6-0 by Cardiff City and Gillingham's game with Yeovil was also called off. Uh, it was the first round of the FA Cup on Sunday. Our featured game was a game that Emily built up for us on last week's podcast, Wolves against Stourbridge. Emily, tell us more. I know you were really looking forward to this game. Yes, I was. I think being local, knowing what it means to both teams, was very, very much looking forward to it. And to be fair, the contest overall was really good. The conditions were horrific. The rain didn't stop. It was relentless. And it was actually played on a 4G pitch at Wolves' training ground. So Obviously, that helped, but you could see the amount of water on the pitch. Um, I think the fact that obviously Stourbridge are two leagues below Wolves and the lowest ranked team left in the competition, they did really, really well overall during the game. Um, Wolfett's close range header from a corner sort of was the difference really between the two sides. But other than that, there weren't really many chances of note. Wolves, to be fair, were much brighter at the start of the second half, still restricted in the main to long range efforts and half attempts, but in much more dominant in possession. They eventually doubled their lead on 66 minutes when Jade Cross got her 12th goal of the season, which to say they haven't played many games is, is pretty impressive overall. And Kelly Darby netted late on to put the icing on the cake for the home side and give them that 3-0 win. So yeah, it probably wasn't quite as close as I'd hoped it would be, but yes, it was a very, very good contest. Um, last year, the two teams played each other in the County Cup where Wolves edged past Stourbridge on penalties. So we didn't quite get that sort of competition in terms of the contest itself. But I think where Stourbridge are, the journey they've already been on, they've already played four qualifying rounds to get here. And I caught up with Wolves midfielder Jade Cross, as well as Stourbridge manager Andy Fisher and midfielder Amber Lawrence after the game. Jade, first of all, congratulations. Fantastic win today. Can you give us your overall thoughts on that one, please? Yeah, so we, it's, it was a, you know, it was, we always knew it was going to be tough against Stourbridge. You know, they set up well, um, but we got the win and, yeah, you know, we, we, we played them, you know, we played the, we had the most possession of the ball and, and so, yeah, 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 we, it was one of those, we, it's three, you know, it's, we're into the next round, that's what we wanted, so. 
better. And I know you spoke a lot before the game about knowing it would be a tough game, playing them in the County Cup last year and how that was. Why do you think it was a little bit different today? Well, you know, I mean, obviously this season's been a bit of a you know, stop-start season, so you know they're unbeaten in their league. They've, I don't think they've conceded a goal this season. Um, so we always knew it was going to be a really tough game. You know that you know that they're going to be defensively quite good. Um, so yeah, we knew it was going to be hard to break down. And, you know, we finally did it. So. And of course, that's goal number twelve for you for the season. You must be pretty delighted with your own form. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm always happy to get a goal, um, help the team you know, get into the next round of the hat. So, uh, yeah, it's, well, the aim is always to hopefully get a goal a game or so. So, yeah, I'm happy. And can I just ask you about the performance of Saf at the back? Obviously, absolutely brilliant display. I know every, the very few people that were stood around us, staff, etc., were really complimentary of her performance. You know, what did you make of, of her coming into a game of that magnitude and performing how she did? You know, well, you know, she she had some big um, shoes to fill at the back. You know, it's normally it's normally Emma that plays there. You know, fortunately she's old today, so she wasn't there. And Saf did an absolutely unbelievable job. You know, she did everything right. She didn't make you know she, she was absolutely unbelievable. So, oh, fantastic. And just finally, I know you've got a little bit of a break now, likely to come in the, sort of just after Christmas, re- resume training, and then focus on the next round. Um, what would you say your own overall aspirations are for the rest of the season? I mean, well, the season's obviously... We, we want to win the league. We want to get as far as we can in the FA Cup. You know, hopefully we don't get stopped again by, you know, with all the restrictions. So, um, yeah, it's just basically to finish the, finish actually the league this year um, and hopefully get to the top of the league and win again. And just lastly, any preference on who you'd like in the draw? Oh, I, I I'm not sure, to be honest. You know, anyone really, you know, we, we're happy to take on anyone someone that we haven't played before maybe you know just to give us a good challenge Andy first of all obviously exited the FA Cup today but can you just give us your overall thoughts on that one please yeah I mean exited it against you know Wolverhampton Wanderers who are a tier 4 tier 3 class team you know a really really good team we knew it was probably going to come to this point after five games in the FA Cup you know we, we, we get set up against Wolverhampton Wonders and you know I, I can't fault what we've done today so we've exited it in real good you know pride and pr- I'm really proud of every single player today Absolutely and rightly so and obviously these conditions were really really tricky as well for both teams do you think they had any impact on, on the game overall and the flow of the game? Yeah yeah, absolutely probably probably benefited us you know I said if it was going to be like this today and it was going to be a tough con- you know tough conditions I thought that week we would probably you know impact their gameplay more so so um, for us you know it was it was it was okay to be wet windy and I said to the players we've got to use that to our advantage and um, you know play to that so and that's what the players did really it was tough on tough on the 4G because it was quite waterlogged at, at, yeah, into some of the areas so no 100% and of course you've had a fantastic run to get to this point you must be really really pleased and really really proud of your players massively massively you know we're a tier 6 team the lowest team in the in the FA Cup you know and it's Wolves who've, who've, who've knocked us out and, and that's a massive achievement we want this week in week, in, week out we want to be a club you know where Starbridge play Wolverhampton Wonders every week that's the ambition of the club we've shown that we're, you know we've made it to the first round of the FA Cup for the first time in history and we've put we've, you know we've put the ladies on the map and that's what we that's what it's all about the, the the twitter today and social media was just you know it was emotional this morning when i was reading some of the stuff because the, you know even the, the fans from the men's side were you know congratulating us and wishing us well and that's what it's all about that that was the main thing this season and, and that's what we've done reaching the first round of the fa cup 
Is it just a case of having a bit of a break now, coming back after Christmas? I know we're in a very uncertain time at the moment with everything. Yeah. Um, and then obviously coming back and, and concentrating on that league. Yeah, unfortunately, I wish we had a game next week, but we haven't. You know, league league have decided not to go down that route, and that's fine. So they'll rest, um, and then we go back to the main priority, which has always been the main priority, which is promotion. You know, this team, as you've seen today, should be playing tier four, and, and we need to make sure we get back to back promotions to do that. Um, so the focus will be straight back after Christmas, straight in the league, straight for the league and the, the, the target is to win the league and that's what it is and that's what I've just said to him out there in the order. I said we've done our bit now. Target, first round FA Cup, now we go win the league. Could give us your overall thoughts on that one please? Yeah, so I mean to start off with it wasn't the best day for it. Um, we've been in torrential rain and the 3G was you know covered in water um, and I think you know for, for us to be essentially the only team in tier six playing today probably the best tier four team in the country um, and take them right to the end I think you know we, we've done ourselves proud they've scored they've scored three goals which you know we, they're probably a little bit little mistakes from us but um, you know I think we went out there and we uh, we worked really hard um, and for it to be one nil right up until the last 20 minutes you know I think we've done we've done ourselves proud and you know it's, it's a shame not to get anything more out of it can you just give us your thoughts on the FA Cup campaign overall because of course it's important to remember you've been on quite a journey yeah definitely so um, I think the first um, first game we played was I think it was no I can't, I can't remember but obviously we've played the most amount of games to be in this position um, so we're probably we've, we've worked harder than the most of the teams a lot of preparation has gone into today um, you know we've been training really really hard um, and I think We've scored a lot of goals in the previous one, so it might have been a bit frustrating for us today to not to not get anything out of it. Um, but you know, we've done we've done the club proud, and we've had a lot of messages today from people, from you know the club fans, and even from the men's side. And I think for us to be in this position anyway, you know, win or lose, was really good for for Stalbridge. So yeah, I think we've done done ourselves proud. And just finally, I know it's been a strange old season and a strange old year for everybody, but what would you say the team's aspirations are going into the new year? And obviously resuming things yeah I think I think it's time for everyone to have a little bit of a rest really um, it's been a shame that it's been so stop start throughout the year um, and I think that you know we're all going to go away enjoy Christmas with our families um, and then get back to work on, on the league as soon as we get back in January which is obviously our biggest goal so um, to come here and compete against the tier 14 like Wolves um, I think we've got everything right in terms of what our main goal is and that's the league and, and it would be great for us to see that hopefully materialise if everything comes back to normal next year but yeah um, I think we're just going to go away take the break um, and enjoy it and come back and work hard for the league and of course there were other FA Cup first round proper ties this weekend Exeter City and Cheltenham played out an exciting 1-1 draw which went to penalties Cheltenham winning the shootout 4-3 Ipswich Town were 9-2 winners at Harlow Town in the South Coast Derby Southampton hit five at Bournemouth without reply Billericay Town were also 4-0 winners over Maidenhead United. Brighouse comfortably saw off Chester the Street Town in County Durham. Liverpool Fed secured a hard-fought 2-1 victory over FC United. And there were home wins for Lincoln City, Newcastle United and Leighton Orient, who defeated Solihull Moors, Barnsley and Actonians, respectively. And there are still two first-round ties to be decided – Wemtown Ladies versus Boldmere St Michael's was postponed due to a waterlogged pitch 
And Kent United LFC overcame AFC Wimbledon ladies 2-1 in their rearranged third round qualifying match. They take on Enfield Town in their first round game. And both of those ties will be played on Sunday, the 20th of December. Girls, finally, before um, we say goodbye, I think it's um, really important that we mention um, Jen Beattie, the Scotland and Arsenal defender, revealed over the weekend in a very emotional interview that she is battling breast cancer um, after being diagnosed in October after the game at Manchester City, she spoke to BC Sport um, and she said the support has been overwhelming and that she is on course of she is on a course of radiotherapy and hopefully the worst is over. She also said that she wanted to highlight that it doesn't matter if you're 29 or 79, that it can happen to anyone. Um, Hannah, I'll come to you for this first. You know, she's shown such courage and it was I think all of us agreed it was such an emotional interview to watch but what an amazing thing you know she's doing that she's decided you know to come out and be very public about her battle you know to raise awareness. Yeah I think so and it's not something to take lightly you know she didn't have to share that with everybody it's hard enough to go through on its own without being so publicly open about it and I think that you know it we just we should all be really grateful that she has because it's such an important message that she is sharing and something that everybody does need to be aware of. She says it doesn't matter what age it is. And so I think it's so um, just really speaks to her character um, that she has been opened up about it. And yeah, I think that it's a really, really valuable thing that she's done sharing that with us all. And Asa, the support on social as well has been, you know, it's just been this sort of outpouring um, of support for her, um, a lot of well wishes um, during her treatment. And I was watching it and I was just like, gosh, I cannot imagine, you know, she's only a few years older than myself and well, a few years older than than all of us here. And um, yeah, it's just amazing. It really is. It's just like at the start of the City Arsenal game today with both sides having the tops on with the number five on the back. It just shows when something so important comes up like that, where awareness needs to be spread, it doesn't matter what side you're on. You know, it doesn't matter which team you are, who you support, who you want to win as it's something like that you can't ignore and you all you all need to show your support for it um especially in the women's game as well it's it's nice to see people just coming together and acknowledging that you know she's still there she's still playing for a club you know whether whether she still can maybe as time goes on you don't know but it's also really important to see her persevering on and still playing because it shows her strength as well and just her character and love for her team but I thought, yeah, I thought it was, it was it was quite emotional and really nice to see how supportive everyone's been of it. And but I wouldn't I wouldn't think anything else really of the women's game to be honest. Asa makes a good point, Emily, doesn't she? It's, you wouldn't expect anything else in terms of you know the amount of support and love that she's had from this game. No, absolutely, and it it's really really important. It's really really important to see. I think it is something that you see a lot in women's football in terms of people getting behind each other, regardless of the club you people support or play for, where their allegiances lie at all. And and yeah, I mean she's so brave, isn't she, for what she's done there? And I think it's such a selfless act because it's not easy to talk about 
anything like that for anybody. And the fact that she's done it as a way of saying to people, look, get checked out, because if you don't, it can be a lot worse. And this is my particular story. I mean, she deserves a huge, huge amount of credit and we all send our love to her. We do. So from all of us here on the Women's Football Football Podcast, we wish Jen all the best. And yes, a big thank you really for what she's doing, because I'm sure that her um, journey and her interview will, I'm, I'm convinced it will save lives because, you know, when you have a public figure like that come out and be so public about her personal battle, um, then yeah, it's definitely a very powerful way to raise awareness. So best of luck, Jen. And we all love you. We think you're fantastic. Well, guys, that's all from us for this week's episode. A big thank you to Hannah, Asa, Emily and Natalie for joining us. It's been a jam-packed show. Love chatting to you all. And of course, remember, um, we'll be on all over social media. Follow us on Twitter at TWFP1 and on Instagram, the Women's Football Podcast. So guys, until next time, look after yourselves and we will see you all very soon. And thank you for